All right. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Great to be here. Um, good to be at Bethany. So special to be with you all. As um, Uncle Bobby shared, there's been a lot of time at camp and back and forth. And it's special to be other places too, but it's really special to be home and be with your church family. This week was so encouraging to get texts from many of you. Um, maybe there's some anxiety over talking about money, so everyone just started texting me about it and telling me that they're praying for me, which I think is good. I know it's good. So thank you for all the texts. It's great to be back. Um, love everyone here. Excited uh, to open God's word. Um, just one quick encouragement. As Bob shared, there's evangelism and prayer meeting tonight, and um, a lot of you have told me that you wanted to come to at least one this summer, and so that window is closing rapidly. So if you said you were coming to one, maybe tonight's the one. Hope to see you guys out there. Um, when the speaking committee reached out a couple months ago, they said, hey, do you want to talk about money? And I was like, ah, not really, no. <laughs> um, but prayed about it, and, and here we are. Um, the title for today would be Financial Truths for a Lifetime. We have some timeless truth we're going to see in Proverbs. And I remember when they asked, my mind initially went somewhere, probably not a good place, but I remember being 12 years old. I was at a youth conference in Cedar Rapids, and I was a visitor. I was a guest there. It wasn't where we were attending. And they had a guy get up right before the offering. And he was there to kind of like rile us up a little bit to like get a little more, basically. And I mean, we're like 12, 13, 14 is our parents' money, I'm sure. I think they gave us a little something. But I just remember that just like gross feeling of like, ah, I don't, I I don't know. And, and the pressure and the awkwardness. And I know that feeling can come to us when we open God's word and think about money. Is this coming? I mean, are we, are we going for a big number today? Are we going to pass and try to get something? No, that's not why we're here today. We're not here today for asking everyone to open their pockets and pour a bunch out. We're here to see truth. And Proverbs is a book um, that has a lot of wisdom and truth for us. And I just want to have a disclaimer that we are not asking for you to take your checkbook out today. We're not asking for you to come up here like the Dave Ramsey Show and do a quick interview. I'm not going to ask you what your income is. I'm not going to ask anything like that. We're just going to look at God's word and, and hope to see truth. Um, let's just open up with a word of prayer and then we'll look at a couple of verses here in Proverbs 4. Father, Lord, we, we trust you. Uh, we know that your word is true and, and the topic of, of money can be a hard one to discuss because it's so personal. Um, oftentimes we maybe tie our identity to it. Maybe we think about it in ways we shouldn't, or maybe there's, there's struggles in our life. And so we would just commit this to you. We know that you have provided all things we need for life and godliness, and, and this topic is no different. So would you open our eyes, open our hearts, that we would see truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last few months as I've been thinking about this, I started writing down quotes that I heard from unbelievers from the world about money. I thought it'd be interesting to compare what the world is currently saying, 2023, and then what we're going to see in Proverbs. And uh, here's one I wrote down. Um, it said, money is a tool to have fun. If you look at it any other way, you're just going to get messed up. Heard that quote. That's from Dana White. He said, money's a tool. Have fun with it. Any other way, you're going to get messed up. Um, I heard a song on the radio. It said, the truth about it is, is that it goes really quick, and you can't buy happiness, but you can buy dirt. Go buy yourself a piece of land. Can't buy happiness, but you can buy some dirt. I'm gonna, he's not here, but I'll pick on him. My father-in-law, I asked him what he thought about a quote on money, and he said, haven't you heard of the golden rule? He who has the gold makes the rules. 
And then one of my favorite songs I remember listening to growing up, Money Can't Buy Happiness, But It Can Buy Me a Boat. Hear that song every summer. Doug Bonwell's just nodding in the back. Just, yeah. Um, that, there's a lot of messages the world gives us about money. And this book of Proverbs is written by Solomon, one of the richest men who, who ever lived. And he knew that his son was going to hear a lot of these messages. Probably not from Dana White or Chris Jansen or whatever. But he was going to hear messages about money. And Solomon wanted his son to hear truth. He wanted him to know truth. And so he took to writing down his experiences. Solomon had so much wealth, if you read about it, it said silver was common in that day. That there was so much gold. And I'm sure Solomon made a lot of mistakes with money too. We know in the latter part of his life, his heart turned away from the Lord. I'm sure he struggled and he messed up, but he also had a lot of successes. He brought trade to his kingdom that had never been seen before. And Solomon wanted to write down a lot of these things and pass them on. Um, Last week, Tony started this mini-series in Proverbs, and he talked about the overarching theme in Proverbs is the fear of the Lord is where we go for knowledge, for understanding, for wisdom. And, and I want us to have that perspective today. I also want us to have um, this perspective as we think about money. I asked you to open to Proverbs 4, Proverbs 4 and 23. It says, keep your heart with vigilance. Keep your heart with vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Verse 26 says, ponder the path of your feet. Then your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Turn your foot away from evil. See, the discussion about money is really a discussion about the heart. It's really a discussion about the heart. Um, You could come up here and tell me what you value. You could tell me what you care about. You could tell me what's important to you. But if we look at our bank account statements and we look at our calendars, we see what really is important to us. Right? Talk is cheap. We've all heard that. But we see where our money flows. We see those are things we value. Those are things... We care about. So I want us today as we look at these truths, there's going to be 13 truths about money um, from Proverbs. And we're going to go through them pretty quick. We're going to hammer them out. Uh, We're not going to make exception. We're not going to apologize for God's word. We're just going to see what it says. And as you look at these, check your heart. That would be my encouragement to you. Check your heart. As I was studying these, there were ones that seemed to hit me in the face. And I said, man, I'm really struggling in that. I need to check my heart. Is my heart on the Lord? Um, Last night as I was reading through, again, I was trying to count all the places in Proverbs that mentioned something to do with money or gold or silver, and I tried to even, you know, if it was like verse 15 and 16, I would just count that as one, and as it went, there's over 90 times it mentions money, wealth, riches, poverty, being a sluggard, working hard, so if we spent one minute on each one, we'll be here for like an hour and a half, just going through, and we won't, just 13, not 90. But there's a lot to say about it. And the Bible mentions money over 2,000 times throughout. And I just want to encourage you that this is an area where God's people need to know truth so we can glorify God. This is not an area we need to be afraid to discuss, not an area that, that should be awkward to discuss. God has truth for us to see. Our, um, our big point today, if you're going to take one thing away, maybe write this down. The one point I would want you to take away is that finances are a tool that should be stewarded and used for the glory of God. Finances are a tool that should be stewarded and used for the glory of God. God cares about our relationship with money and wealth, and that's why he left us these truths. And and if you're taking notes, I'm sorry. I'm going to hammer through these really, really quick. 
But we're going to look at 13 truths about money. I think these kind of encapsulate. I tried to boil the list of 90 down to something and something, and I was trying to get a really nice even number like 10, but we landed on 13, and so that's, that's what it's going to be. Number one, money and wealth often comes through work. Money and wealth often comes through hard work. Look at um, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23. If you want to turn there, Proverbs 14, 23 says, In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. You know, sometimes work can be something that we are ashamed of if we earn money or have a job or work a, a job that provides for us. And, and it's important that we understand that work is beneficial to gain money. It's not a bad thing, not a thing to be afraid of. You know, in our lives, I know we can get into this game where we start separating out secular things and spiritual things. You know, I'm, I'm going to go work on Monday. That's secular. But Sunday, that's, that's for the Lord. And maybe Wednesday night too, and maybe if there's a Bible study through the week. But God doesn't see it that way. God doesn't see that way. Remember that finances and wealth are a tool that should be stewarded and used for God's glory. And to understand truth about that, we have to know that money often comes through work. We trade our time for money. Sometimes we trade our money for more money. It takes work. It takes energy. It takes effort. The second truth I want to look at, and it's contrasted throughout Proverbs with the first one, is that wealth and finances won't come through being a sluggard. Money and finances often come through work, this treasure, um, but it won't often come through being a sluggard. Being lazy is not a way to glorify God. Proverbs 19.24 says, The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. That's not speaking in a flattering way, by the way. That's not saying that's a good thing. This isn't like a compliment. Burying your hand in the dish and not even bringing it back to your mouth. I mean, I, I've been tired, but I've never been that tired, right? I mean, I'll usually find a way to get that food up to my mouth. Proverbs 20.13 says, Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes, and you'll have plenty of bread. Wealth and treasure often comes through work but it won't come to those who are being sluggards. Truth number three, wealth and money is what is owned, not what is showed. Wealth and money is what is owned, not what is showed. You know, everyone has a certain kind of reaction when we see, when we see money, right? You see this, you think about something. Something comes to mind when you see this. And it's really interesting to me, uh, they did a, some kind of surveys and, and um, tests. They had a guy up on a stage and he took a $1 bill and he started to tear it. Anyone's heart just get a little anxious? God, don't do it. It's a federal crime. Don't do it. You know, they, they took a $1 bill and he started to tear it up. He was, I think he was illustrating taxes or something. And you could just feel in the room the, the disgust and the dismay. Why would you do that to money? You could take a $5 item and light it on fire and no one bats an eye. There's, a, there's money, it's an appearance of something, it's an appearance of value, and it's a very emotional and psychological thing, and Solomon was writing to his son that he said, the appearance of money can actually be a dangerous thing for you, because money is what is owned, not what is shown. Um, Proverbs 12, 9, better to be lowly and have a servant than to play the great man and lack bread. You know, he's saying it's better to have someone helping you out on the farm than to have the nicest, newest tractor, but you don't have anyone to run it. 
There's nothing good in that. The stats say that there's, um, you know, 57 to 60% of Americans, if a $1,000 emergency came up, they'd struggle to pay it from their savings. And we've gotten into this mindset of thinking we need to have an appearance. We need to somehow show people that we have this. And Solomon says there's no wisdom in that. There's nothing good that's going to come from that. Proverbs 13:7. one pretends to be rich yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor yet has great wealth. Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Solomon was trying to get a truth to his son, Rehoboam. He was trying to tell him, listen, son, it's not about what you can show people. It's about what you have. And there's really harmful mindsets of having to always project and reflect things to others. What what is truth here? Friend, I, I tell you that truth is that God knows. You're not fooling God. We can't put up a face or a facade, and, and oftentimes when, when we come to Christ, we can feel vulnerable because he knows, and, and that's actually a good thing. And I think Solomon was trying to get this idea across clearly to his son. It's not about what you can show. It's about what you have. So truth number one, money often comes through work. Treasure comes through work. It won't come from being a sluggard. It's about what you own, not about what you show. Truth number four that I saw was that it quickly or wrongfully gained will not last. Wealth that is quickly gained or wrongfully gained will not last. Stewardship, we talked about our finances are a tool that should be stewards. Stewardship is a lifetime calling. It's not something that's going to happen quickly overnight and then you're going to have everything figured out. I'm sure there's times in your life where you thought, man, if I just had this dollar amount, this amount of money, all of my life's problems would be fixed. Everything would be taken care of. But Solomon writes over and over, it's not going to work that way. Quickly or wrongfully gained, dollars will not last. Uh, Proverbs 13.11 says, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Proverbs 15.27, whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates a bribe will live. Proverbs twenty twenty one, an inheritance gained hastily is in the beginning, but it will not last to the end. Proverbs twenty one six, getting treasure by a lying tongue is like a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. You know, we see this played out in real life. Um, they say that over 70% of lottery winners will go bankrupt within seven years. They'll actually be worse off. It's interesting. Most folks who play the lottery are not bankrupt. Most folks who play the lottery, according to statistics, are, are maybe on the, the lower end. It's, it's something that they say folks with income, lower income, tend to play it more. But they're not bankrupt. I mean, they're not, they're not at that, that complete low point. But within winning the lottery, over 70% will have nothing within seven years. That quick influx of cash does not solve their life's problems. Money comes through work. It doesn't come through being a sluggard. It's about what we own, not what we can show. And if we gain it quick, quickly or we gain it with, with greed or wrong motives, it's not going to last. Truth number five, money and wealth can and should be used to give to those in need. It can and should be used to give to those in need. See, we have an interesting um, task as a believer. We can choose to take this thing that is very temporary and very fleeting, and we can choose to invest it into things that are eternal. 
Um, the story that always comes to mind is um, C.T. Studd. He wrote the, that famous um, poem or song that only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. C.T. Studd was a very, very wealthy man. Um, I think he was wealthy on his father's side and his wife's side, and, and he was very gifted in sports and had about every kind of, I don't know if it was euros back then, but every kind of dollar amount you could want being in Europe. And he gave it all up and gave it all away to go share the gospel. And after he gave away his first fortune, people called him crazy, but they said, you know, good for you. But he actually got the most criticism in his life when he gave away his second fortune, when his wife's family passed away and he gave that away. There was a lot of criticism, but he was choosing to give to those in need. Proverbs 14.21 says, Whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, but blessed is he who is generous with the poor. Proverbs 28 and verse 8 says, Whoever multiplies his wealth by interest and profit will gather for him who is generous for the poor. There's an encouragement there that funds can be grown to share with those who are in need. Proverbs 28, 27, whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. You know what Solomon is trying to hit into his son here is that there's this really interesting thing about money, and that's the tighter that you try to hold on to it, the less of it you seem to find. We're going to talk about stinginess and greed, but there's an analogy that's really helpful to me. We, um, in our backyard, backyard, have a box of sand, and I grabbed a little bit of it this morning. Sand is kind of an interesting thing. If you have little kids, it's good to play in, but there's really not much else it's good for. It just kind of sits there, and there's bees that are flying in it. I don't know what they're doing, but I was thinking about money like sand. See, if, um, if I had someone come up here and ask you to hold some sand, you can kind of get the most if you scoop it up in your hand. And you can kind of try to get the absolute most you can, and you kind of hit your balance, and right about there, that's about as much as I can hold in one hand. But watch what happens when I squeeze it as tight as I can. The tighter I squeeze that sand, it just keeps falling and falling out of my hands until I have about a third of what I had left. Squeezing and holding on to money as tight as you can won't actually lead to you getting more. And Solomon is writing here that... Um, if you're generous with your funds, God will bless that. And he's trying to get that idea across to his son. We'll, we'll see how his son takes that advice. But Solomon is trying to get a truth across that money and wealth can and should be used to give to those in needs. Truth number one, wealth, money, often comes through work. Number two, it won't come if you're a sluggard. Um, three, it's owned, not what's shown. Four, quickly or, or greedily gained, it's not going to last um, five. It should and can be given to those in need. Six, in large amounts, it can put a target on your back. This is kind of an interesting one. This is not something that popped into my mind, but as I studied, this theme came up over and over again in Proverbs. Um, I think we say in our culture, more money means more problems. I was talking with someone here at the break. They said, my friend's getting audited by the IRS right now. You know, he used to have nothing, and now he's got a lot, and he's got all kinds of issues. He's struggling. He's fighting it, whatever it is. I don't even know who it is. It says in um, Proverbs 13, 8, the ransom of a man's life is his wealth, but a poor man hears no threat. 19, 4, wealth brings many new friends, but a poor person is deserted by his friends. Um, the, the writer there is saying there's a lot of friends who come around when you have large amounts of wealth. 19.6 says that many seek the favor of a generous man, and everyone is a friend to the man who gives gifts. Sometimes when there's more wealth in your life, there can be more struggles. 
Solomon lived that out firsthand. He had so much wealth, he started to give in. And he had a lot of friends come in his life. Ultimately, that's what led his son down a terrible path, was listening to the advice of some of these so-called friends. It completely ruined the kingdom, tore it apart. Number six, in large amounts, it can put a target on your back. Number seven, wealth and treasure with an unhealthy focus on pleasure can lead to ruin. Wealth and money, treasure, whatever you want to call it, if you're unhealthily obsessed with pleasure and you combine money with it, it'll lead to your ruin. You know, there are a lot of good gifts that God has given us to enjoy. A lot of really good things. Man, we were um, a couple weeks ago down on the current river in Missouri and got to see God's creation. I was with Levi and um, Jace Baker was there with us. And um, yeah, it's been just a great time to see God's creation. It's a good gift. At the river store, you'd buy a pop for $5, and it was like the best pop you've ever drank, right? I mean, yeah, we're going to spend some money. It's good. But what Solomon's writing about here is one who can't stop himself from going after every good thing he sees. It will lead you to ruin. Listen to these verses here. Proverbs twenty-one seventeen: Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. Proverbs twenty-one twenty: Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling but a foolish man devours it. It gives this picture of someone who has something that's of value, wine and oil, and maybe that was like stocks and bonds back then. Maybe if you could just hold on to it, it'd be worth more. But they kept eating it. They kept using it. He's warning his son not to just go for things that are pleasurable, not to just grab hold of things that are temporary. If you have wealth and you have money, but you're always caught up with what is pleasurable and you have an unhealthy obsession with that, it can lead to your ruin. Okay, the first seven are things that you're saying, hey, this is great, good stuff. Where's like the spiritual application here, man? Like, thank you, helpful, but where are we going with this? Um, I hope these next few will be maybe encouragements. And, and remember, check your heart through this. This is where it starts to show our relationship with money and where our heart is at. Number eight, money, wealth, treasure is not worth more than peace wisdom, and godliness. This theme is hit over and over and over again. We probably could have gone through about 30 verses just on this. It's not worth more than peace, wisdom, and godliness. And those three are used throughout. It, it compares and contrasts. And it's kind of interesting because he, you, you'll find a lot of these verses where he'll say, search for wisdom more than gold. And he's got to use gold to kind of get our mind tagged. Remember, you hold up a piece of money and everyone's, you know, we, we pay attention all of a sudden. It's like he's telling his son, when you think of gold, I actually want you to think of wisdom. Think of godliness. Think of peace. Listen to these verses. Proverbs 28.6, Better is a poor man who walks in integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. What they're saying is there's no amount of money that can make up for being wicked. It doesn't matter. You can't buy your way into righteousness. You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't buy your way into a good relationship with God. You know, sometimes we try to substitute things. You know, I don't have this, so I'm going to substitute with that. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And in our culture, we actually are really a convenience culture. It's, um, it's interesting. You know, I don't want to mow my lawn this week, so I'm going to call up a kid and I'll give him 40 bucks and he'll do it. I can substitute for my time and just put some money in and substitute. 
you know, there's a, a leak in my faucet and I probably could figure it out myself, but I don't want to. I'll just substitute some money for some knowledge there. You can't substitute money for righteousness. Money, wealth, and riches is not worth more than peace, wisdom, and godliness. Proverbs fifteen sixteen, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and the trouble that comes with it. Proverbs 17, 1. Better a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Man, there are some times you leave um, a restaurant and it's so loud in there and so crazy and so chaotic. You're like, I don't care what they're serving. I just want to get out of this place. My wife and I did a trip recently and I was just so unimpressed with one of the restaurants. I was just like, this atmosphere is terrible. I just want to get out. There's no peace here. It's terrible. And it can be that way in our lives. Would you trade your favorite food for a house full of strife? Say, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that food, that really good thing, and I'll give up having peace in my house. Solomon says it's a bad trade. Proverbs sixteen sixteen. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get understanding than choice silver? Proverbs 19.1 is almost an exact duplicate of 28.6. 19.1 says, Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than the one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. It's not worth more than peace, wisdom, and godliness. Truth number nine. Keep moving here. Truth number nine. Money and wealth can be useful and valuable when stewarded well. It's kind of hard going through these truths, isn't it? You hear one thing, and you hear the next thing, and the next thing, and it's almost overwhelming. I hope this is a start, starting point for you to study these things, not the last time you'll ever think about it. But Solomon does make a point to say that wealth and having these things isn't a bad thing. I'm going to uh, rob a quote from my friend Caleb Weikert. He spoke on money in uh, 2021, I think it was in January. One of the best messages I've ever heard. After this one, go listen to that one. It'll clear up a lot of things. Um, he was talking about that movie, It's a Wonderful Life, and how the, the man is just so broken, he needs money, and he asks the angel, hey, do you got 8,000 bucks? You know, it really changed my life. And the angel says, you know, we've got no use for money up in heaven. We don't even use it up there. And he replies, yeah, but it sure is useful down here. And isn't that true? I mean, it really is useful. I, that, that quote has stuck with me. Uh, Caleb and I were going to Africa earlier this year. I watched It's a Wonderful Life just because I wanted to get that quote. It was great. Classic movie. And man, I just, it, it hits so true. Proverbs 14, 24 says, The crown of their wise is their wealth, but the fool brings himself to folly. Solomon's saying here, there is a prize that comes along with earning this treasure, but a fool has nothing to show for his life. A man's gifts make room for him and bring him before great people. Proverbs 18, 16. Solomon says here, man, without my wealth, I wouldn't have had the ability to speak to certain people. Those of you here who have um, treasure and wealth, and depending on where we go in the world, that would be everyone here. You have the ability to reach people that no one else is reaching. We don't have to be ashamed that God has given blessing to us. Use it for Christ. We need to steward it. It can be useful and valuable when it's stewarded wisely. Number 10. Money, wealth, riches, treasure, whatever you want to call it, should not lead us to be stingy or greedy. 
See, stinginess shows a heart attitude of putting money as an idol, putting it in an improper place. Proverbs 28, 22 says, a stingy man hastens after wealth, or he runs after it, and he does not know that poverty will come upon him. He's got that sand. That stingy man is out there counting his sand, and he's squeezing onto it day by day, and he doesn't realize that it's all slipping out of his fingers. Proverbs 28, 25 says, a greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. See, if you're greedy or stingy, what you're really trusting in is your, your money. It's where your heart is. It's where your hope is. Proverbs 28, 25 says, you need to trust in the Lord. You'll be enriched that way, not through being greedy. Being greedy is only going to stir up strife. 23, 6, and 7. Little note if you're planning on going out to lunch today after church. Do not eat the bread of a man who is stingy. Don't do it. Don't eat the bread of someone who's stingy. Don't desire his delicacies. For he is like one who is inwardly calculating. Eat and drink, he says, but in his heart he's not with you. Being greedy and stingy is not becoming of a Christian. We have the riches of God poured out on us. We should not be reflecting to the world this idea of being greedy or stingy. All right, we're 10 deep. We've got three to go. Thank you for hanging with. You're doing great. Quick recap. Money, wealth, it often comes through work. Number two, it won't come through being a sluggard. Three, it's what's owned, not what is shown. Four, quickly wrongful gain of, of wealth will not last. Five, it can and should be used to give to those in need. Six, in large amounts, it puts a target on your back. Seven, with an unhealthy focus on pleasure, it can lead to ruin. Eight, it's not worth more than peace, wisdom, and godliness. Nine, it can be useful, can be valuable when it's stewarded wisely. Ten, it should not lead us to be stingy or greedy. Don't squeeze your sand. You're going to end up with less. Number 11, money, wealth, riches can't be taken with you. Can't be taken with you kind of funny when you think about money we've got on um, these bills that have the pictures of dead guys on them right Andrew Jackson it's kind of ironic actually he hated the Federal Reserve and he was super against paper money he really didn't want anyone he thought it was the dumbest thing he wanted to go on the gold standard so it's a kind of ironic leave it to the federal government right they slapped his face right on here and you see this uh, maybe a lot of you guys have an Andrew Jackson in your pocket you know what that looks like this guy has as much money right now as Adam as Moses as Solomon, as your great-great-grandpa, they have no money right now. They're at zero. They're at zero. You cannot take a penny of your money with you. Solomon, the richest man to ever live, he's at zero right now. Proverbs 11.4, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath but righteousness delivers from death. I'll read that one again. Proverbs 11.4 Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. You know, it's, it's interesting. We, we say often in our culture, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, do everything you can, and 
And I, I get the sentiment there, but oftentimes we forget that we're trusting Christ for our dollars, just like we're trusting Christ for eternal life. If you're trusting Christ for your life, wouldn't you trust him with the, the use of your dollars? And wouldn't you have an understanding that at the end of the day, I can't take anything with me? It's of no use. I don't know if you've ever talked to someone on their deathbed. Um, I only have one or two times. Um, some interesting discussions go on on someone's deathbed. Finances is never brought up. It is never brought up that I've seen. Um, and I'm talking like, like hours before they die. Yeah, in the days leading up, there's some thought with it. But when you're like minutes before someone is passing into eternity, they're not thinking about money. You don't take it with you. You can't take any of it with you. Money should not lead us to be stingy or greedy. It can't be taken with us. And then number 12, this has been really helpful for me. This is an area that the Lord has convicted me over the years. If you remember one of these 13, maybe remember this one. Money is a tool. Money is a tool. We said that it can be beneficial when it's used well. And the, the way that I think about that that helps so often is when I think about a tool. Caleb talked about this a couple years ago, and it's worth bringing up again. You know, a tool is good when it's needed. This is, I think, my oldest screwdriver. It's, it, I mean, it just comes apart. You can flip it around. You can get Phillips or flathead. If you need to change an outlet cover or something, it does the trick. But this thing is really junky. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I could give it away on Facebook Marketplace, right? But when I need it, it's really useful. When I need it, it's really useful. Um, dads, moms, kids. I see some of you kids in the back here. I have a question for you. When's the last time you got home after a long day at work and you said, I would love to go grab my screwdriver and I just want to hold it. I just want to look at it. I just want to touch it. I want to admire it. I mean, just look at that. This stays in our garage. This doesn't come in the house. Layla wouldn't let me put this on the shelf. It's not much to look at. There's not a lot of beauty in it. It's just a thing that I use for a purpose. How do I know when my heart, remember we said guard our, guard our heart, when my heart is in the wrong place, sometimes I just look at money. Not doing anything wrong with it. Just looking. Oh, it's nice to see. It's nice to look at. It's appealing to the eyes. I start to see it as a hope. And what I really start to do is I start to make an idol out of it. I start to say that's something that could give me security. That's something that can give me certainty. It's a tool. It's a tool that should be used when needed, but it's just a tool. We need to have knowledge. We need to have wisdom when it comes to this tool. We shouldn't be ignorant. That's why we just spent time going through these. I mean, God's word is full of wisdom about money. We're not to be ignorant about this tool. It can lead to a lot of good things, but we're not to ever worship the tool. Uh, Proverbs 24, 3 and 4 says, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it's established, by knowledge, the rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. Wisdom about money can lead to accumulation of wealth. It's not a bad thing. 28.19 says, Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. Following this as treasure is a worthless pursuit. You know, we're not even really digging into a lot of the New Testament verses. We could go to Jesus to see the where your treasure is, your heart will be. 
Sometimes we need to check our heart and just see how much time do we spend being consumed and thinking about money. If I say it's a tool, I'll treat it like a tool. It's there for when I need it. You should take care of your tools too. I mean, if, if you let this sit out in the rain for a bunch of days, it'll rust and corrode and not be worth anything. So you need to take care of it. You need to understand it. You need to track it, all those things. But it's just a tool. 13, our final truth about money for today. Money is not where our trust or our hope should lie. Money is not where our trust or our hope should lie. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. The problem when we trust in anything besides Christ is that there's going to be failure. Nothing can stand up to Christ. You know, I remember hearing um, messages about money as a kid and, and doing the Dave Ramsey and all those different things, and you hear all these different things, and, and at every step, no matter what counsel someone's giving you about money, I would highly, highly encourage you as you look at God's word to say, am I trusting in this? Am I hoping in this? If the answer is yes, you need to check your heart. Remember, your heart is important. You need to guard it. You need to guard that it's not um, where you're trusting. Your heart's not trusting in money and in riches. All right, 13 lessons. Go through them once more really quick. Money, riches, wealth. It often comes through work. Two, it, it won't come through being a sluggard. Three, it's what's owned, not what is shown. Four, quickly, wrongfully gaining this will not last. Five, it, it can and should be used to give to those in need. Six, large amounts often just puts a target on your back. Um, seven, an unhealthy focus on pleasure can lead to your ruin. Eight, wealth that is um, not worth more. Sorry, wealth is not worth more than peace, wisdom, and godliness. Nine, it can be useful and valuable when stewarded wisely. Ten, should not lead us to be stingy or greedy. Eleven, can't be taken with you. 12, it's a tool. And 13, it's not where our hope should lie. So where do we go from here? What changes in my life because I know these things about money? What do I do? Fair questions, they're real questions. Remember, our key takeaway for today is that finances are a tool that should be stewarded and used for the glory of God. Friend, I just want to tell you that God wants your heart. God does not need your money. And um, I think just a popular maybe myth we're told in America, especially, it seems like in this section of the world, is that God really needs your 10%. Like God is just sitting there waiting for your 10%. Like the kingdom of heaven can't move forward if your 10% is not part of it. That is not true at all. God does not need a penny of your money. It's a privilege for you to partner with God, but he doesn't need your money. You know what God desires? God desires your all. He desires your heart. He desires your life. He desires 100% of every part of you. That would be 100% of your life, Romans 12, 1 and 2. That would be 100% of your finances should be used for the glory of God. Not saying you come to church every week and you cut a check. I hope you're not hearing that. What I hope you're hearing is God wants to be involved with every dollar you spend. It's all for his glory. 
if you fear the Lord, you'll look to the Proverbs for wisdom, like Tony talked about, and you'll see that wisdom surrounding your finances is important, but that ultimately this wealth, these finances, are just a tool that we should steward and use for God's glory. You know, I mentioned him a couple times, but Rehoboam in the Bible, this is, this is who should have been reading this. I don't know if you've studied the Kings recently. Uh, David was a man after God's own heart. We just got done with our study on David. Solomon, his son, they said, had a half heart for God. I was taught this as a boy. Uh, King Saul had no heart. David had a full heart. Solomon had a half heart. And his son Rehoboam completely missed these lessons. He completely missed it. His eyes were so focused on the temporary things. They call it, there's a whole section in the Bible called the destruction of Rehoboam. He listened to very bad counsel in his life. And he made some terrible decisions. I can't help but wonder, you know, if Solomon was pleading with him. I wonder if Solomon used visual illustrations. Listen, I'm trying to explain it to you. It's like a guy who says he has a servant, but he doesn't. Are you understanding me, Rehoboam? It's not about the money. It's not a bad thing, but it needs to be a tool. Listen to me, Rehoboam. This is important. Trust in God. Don't trust in the riches. If you do, you'll fall. You know, that verse, Proverbs eleven twenty eight. 28, whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. That's a, that's a verse that should point us to the gospel. Friend here today, I just want to encourage you, if, if you don't know Christ, every knowledge and lesson about money will not get you into heaven. Here's the interesting thing about money and God's truth. God's truth applies to everyone. There's truth in Proverbs that will make your life better, even if you're not a believer. You could read the book of Proverbs and you could start a business, you could run your life by it, and you'd actually do better if you did those things. Like, it would be good for you. But it's not going to get you into heaven. It's not going to get you into heaven. Turn, if you would, to Psalms 49, 7 through 10. We'll close with this. Psalms 49. When I think about money and I think about the gospel... I often think of this verse. Proverbs 49, verse 7. I'd like to just close here in these closing moments to talk about the gospel. Proverbs four, or sorry, Psalms 49, verse 7 says, Truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice. That he should live on forever, never see the pit. For he sees that even the wise die, and the fool is stupid alike. He will perish, and they leave their wealth to others. It's a weighty thing to think about the price of your life, isn't it? It's a weighty thing to think about. Uh, Warren Buffett says, when I was 30 years old, I wanted to be a millionaire, and now that I'm a millionaire, I just want to be 30 years old. He's one of the richest men in the world. He's over 90 years old. Would any of you trade places with Warren Buffett if you could say, uh, maybe I'm talking mostly to the young kids here, would you trade places with Warren Buffett? Say, I would have his bank account, but I'd also have to have his age. You know what I wouldn't trade with Warren Buffett is his eternal standing. He said a lot of times he doesn't believe in God. He doesn't believe that there's a true God, that the Bible is real. And he's trying to figure out how to buy back time right now. And he's starting to realize he can't. This verse in Psalms says that there's going to be a time coming when we'll, when we'll pass away. Um, I, I have to confess to you, I, I often get very consumed when I think about my own finances. I don't want to tell you that I've, I do everything right. And sometimes God has to remind me that life is short 
that time is short. Um, I had one of those reminders a couple weeks ago. Um, this is a water bottle that I used to use a lot. This is a water bottle that was very special to me. Um, I've had it for as long as I can remember. And I was out a couple weeks ago working on one of the rental properties. And it was a Sunday afternoon. Probably shouldn't have been working on Sunday, but I was, you know, stressed and everything. I was thinking about money. It was consuming me. And I was riding my motorcycle back from the rental property back to our house. And I pulled off off of 218 right there by Cattle Congress. And I'm sitting at that light waiting for it to turn. It's taking forever to turn because when you're on a motorcycle, it never picks you up. And just frustrated. And finally, the light turns green. And I, I just click into first gear. And I'm just getting up to speed. And bam, a car comes around behind me and hits me from behind. And I didn't even see it coming. I had no idea it was even coming. I just got hit right from behind. And the back carry that I had just exploded. The back end of the bike got all smashed. And my water bottle that was in there got thrown out to the right. And I, because of the momentum, got thrown out to the left. And there was another semi coming by on the right, and it just ran right over this bottle here. This bottle's worth pretty much nothing anymore, except for maybe, you know, Bible camp to have the kids pass around and think about life and death. It's about what it's good for now. And I was kind of laying there in the median, and I popped up really quick, one or two scratches, otherwise completely fine. And you know what was, was not on my mind? Any of the money stresses I was thinking about five minutes before. Wasn't even thinking about it. I was thinking, how is this phone call going to go with my wife? How's the bike? Is the other lady okay? And I just thought, man, if I were to see the Lord right now, I don't think he'd be impressed with how consumed I was an hour ago. Friend, you, your life may end at any moment. I don't know when it will. Is your security or your hope in what's in your pocket? Is your security and hope in Christ? In Psalms 49, it says we can't purchase our life. We can't purchase someone else's life. Christ is the only one who can save our lives. A precious price was paid for you. The price has already been paid. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his son. He gave that price for you. Please don't come here today and hear 13 good lessons about money and miss the gospel. All this teaching and understanding about money is great. Proverbs has a lot of good wisdom. But if we don't have an understanding of the gospel, it's all worthless. I would beg you to listen. I would beg you to think about this. And I would encourage you to look to Christ in this area of our lives, this area that can be awkward or tough. Look to Christ and see that he has paid it all. He is worth it. Just a few closing questions for you, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Um, friend, just in what way do you view money as more than a tool? Maybe check your heart for that. Is it a certainty that you trust in? In what ways do you have an unhealthy relationship with money? Your stewardship of what God has given you. Are, are you trapped? Are you trapped by debt, crushed by its weight? Are you worshiping it, glorying after it, running for it? I mean, if you are, I'd encourage you to get help. There's a lot of people that would be happy to help you. Don't stay trapped like that. It will keep you from Christ. Do you understand that money is temporary? It should not consume our minds or our hearts. If you're here this morning and you're an unbeliever, are you trusting in your money? Or would you look today to God, look to the riches of the blessings that are in him? You cannot afford to stand before God with your money. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for life lessons. There's truths that are important to know. And as believers, we do need to know what's going on. 
uh, with our finances, with money, with treasure. And you wrote a lot about that. You didn't want your children to be ignorant. But ultimately, Lord, we know you don't want us to trust in those things. You want us to trust in Christ, to see him clearly. Thank you that you have given us all things needed for life and godliness. Lord, I would just pray too, if there's any in our, our body here that are struggling, that are hurting and feel trapped, that they would see truth, they would turn to Christ. Uh, for those who are trapped in, in sin, that they would be free of that bondage and turn to the blood of Christ. We love you, Lord, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.